people address the symptoms without addressing the root cause and we've said this so often that the colon is responsible for 90% of diseases in our body hi i'm dr dimple jangda i'm your podcast host and i welcome you to a gut story this is a podcast a platform where we're going to discuss healthy everything a healthy body healthy mind healthy emotion healthy energetics and a healthy spiritual journey we're going to also discuss stories of courage grit confidence discipline and patience that helped several people overcome tragic events in their life and physical trauma and we're also going to learn from several natural sciences like ayurveda naturopathy homeopathy yoga on how to reset our body back to good health and bring ourselves back closer to nature welcome to a gut story with yours truly dr dimple Today I have with me a very special guest and a lovely friend Dr Varalakshmi who is a practicing ayurvedic doctor in Birmingham and she has studied ayurveda she has been practicing and helping all her patients overcome diseases for which sometimes modern science has not had a answer her area of specialization is the gut health and the gynecological health thank you for coming on board dr varalakshmi so nice to see you i'm excited Let's get started with the very first question. I know that for a very long time you've been stressing, you've been educating your followers that gynecological health is closely linked to your gut health. How does a gut impact the uterus of a woman or even the fertility rate of a man? So, you know, we are always stressing about how the gut microbiome and when we are talking about microbiome, we are thinking only inside our gut, but microbiome exists in all other different parts of our body including our skin including our mouth as well as all the open areas where there is access for bacteria there is microbiome and including our vagina and it is said that our gut the bacteria which is inside our microbiome can influence the microbiome which is inside our vagina as well and ayurvedically it is said that agni which is the core of all the functioning especially our digestion immunity even our reproductive health this is all based upon the functioning of agni even there it is said that if the agni is not functioning well then that could impact our reproductive health as well as you know cause imbalances related to our uterus and as well as reproductive functioning in the men as well That's so interesting you know because quite often people address the symptoms without addressing the root cause and we've said this so often that the colon is responsible for 90% of diseases in our body an unhealthy colon can trigger diseases even of the uterus of the skin bones muscles even of your heart and brain psychosomatic imbalances and neurological disorders and the gut has now received a lot of attention in the recent years as being the second brain and also the fuel engine for the rest of the body so it's supplying nutrients to your uterus to your brain heart liver kidney intestine so the gut is not in balance if the gut is not healthy if it's leaking it's going to cause a lot of health issues even for the uterus now how do we maintain a healthy gut so that we can improve our gynecological health especially for women suffering from pcos pcod or infertility absolutely i would say the most important factor when it comes to our gut health is one is diet as you know and then the second one is our routine or what you are doing in a given day 
but for us women what you are doing in a given month what you are doing just before your period comes on like the luteal phase of our cycle the last 14 days of our period and the one week before your period comes that's when many women are going through pms symptoms like tenderness of the breast painful periods mood swings and other you know digestive irritation so all these things are happening because we are not able to maintain a good routine so i would say first thing is to focus on ensuring you are eating a good food that to remove ultra processed foods because those are the foods or the first things that trigger our gut and the leading cause for the inflammation inside our gut and there are other foods which are said to be more harmful for our gut like especially processed red meat some form of dairy which is not properly it's not from a right source and for women who have inability like they don't have a proper ability to digest the dairy and then consuming getting a dairy or eating dairy that is not from a right source could also be the inflammation trigger for them so i would say if we can start with looking at our diet ensuring we are eating good source of food not a processed form of food and then the next step is routine like changing and adapting your exercise pattern especially i talked about luteal phase during that period there is lot of transformation inside our uterus is happening endometrium is being built up and ayurvedically it is a pitta phase where there is lot of blood supply going on to our uterus and hormonal fluctuations are really really high in that phase so if we keep our exercise which is soothing and calming like a yoga flow instead of doing something like hit during this period if we can make that simple change many of these pms symptoms and then heavy bleeding all these can be easily managed or can be tackled with That's interesting. So tell me something between the follicular phase and luteal phase. What are the dietary changes that can be done? Because I remember in many of your interviews and conversations that we've had together, you've stressed on this fact that PCOS, PCOD is usually a sign of indigestion of estrogen by the body. The body is producing estrogen, but when the body is not able to digest the estrogen it's producing, it starts getting accumulated, leading to buildup of fibroids or cysts, PCOS, PCOD symptoms. And in such a case, we do not consume estrogen from other products, animal-based products, especially like meat, milk, yogurt, buttermilk, and cottage cheese and cheese. because they are again a source of estrogen we avoid soya and tofu and edamame during those times because we don't want estrogen dominance or estrogen built up in the body so what are the dietary changes that we can do during follicular phase particularly and then what is the shift that we can do during luteal phase so the first 14 days is tend to be where everything is building up and it is like leading up to ovulation and then after the ovulation we have luteal phase so ayurvedically our routine and our diet should be more kapha balancing kind of diet during the kind of like the first 14 days while it is also nourishing for our body and you know for you because the age is another factor lot of us are at a different hormonal age depending upon the hormonal age but it should be a well nourished meal that is still balancing for kapha and your routine should be more like you can do those vigorous exercises during this 
first 14 days where your energy levels tend to be high where your body has good kind of hormones and it is pumping up towards the ovulation phase so i would say including good kind of whole grains legumes like lentils like mung beans whole mung beans like in the form of dal soups at the same time including astringent vegetables like gourds you know like bitter gourd uh, ridge gourd these kind of vegetables are also considered healing especially healing for our gut and also don't sit inside our stomach they get digested very fast and i do believe they are also helpful and digestive spices spices like fennel and cumin and coriander these are like very very good spices which have that subtlety at the same time they can also help our digestive fire and digest you know with you asked about the estrogen how we can address that estrogen in digestion so i would say these kind of spices and adapting your diet in such a way that and the routine in such a way we are not retaining any of that estrogen inside our body that's interesting and what about the seed cycling that we do during follicular phase and luteal phase you know it has picked up a lot of interest especially in the western world you know for whom seeds and herbs are very new and in indian culture in asian culture obviously you know we're having cumin seeds fennel seeds coriander seeds literally on a daily basis in our diet and so the western world has now tried to adapt to this eastern science by introducing pumpkin and flax seeds during the follicular phase the first 14 days of the period cycle and then they have sunflower and sesame seeds to boost the progesterone during the luteal phase so follicular phase you're boosting your estrogen and then post ovulation you're boosting your progesterone with these seeds what is your take on seed cycling and is it healthy for everybody or are there any precautions that must be followed especially if someone has progesterone dominance or if someone's having fibroids is there a variation in the seed cycling i would say absolutely particularly i'm not using seed cycling in my practice exclusively but generally it does help if someone has low estrogen seed cycling could be a very good thing and someone has inabilities to ovulate like they are having a good cycle they have period but they just before the period or even though they are having regular cycle and stuff they are not able to ovulate seed cycling could be a good addition into their you know routine to ensure they're getting natural source of you know all the good hormones into their system but i would say you should always be mindful of if someone has estrogen dominance then i would say or even the progesterone dominance you should be mindful of doing the seed cycling because it can cause the fluctuations in both the hormones both the progesterone as well as the estrogen same like how you discussed about the soy products dairy and animal products could be causing estrogen dominance inside the body similarly some of these seed particularly the pumpkin and flax seeds as well as the you know other seeds that we are using in different phases they could also impair the whole functioning as well you know cause fluctuations to do with the progesterone and the estrogen so anything in moderation is okay when you overdo it excessively and have these seeds on a daily basis and it can cause other health issues like even vata imbalances uh, because seeds want to become plants seeds are designed for life they want to become plants so they don't want to be eaten and then they have this defense mechanism which can lead to more dryness and roughness in the human digestive system from the seeds that want to germinate into a plant it can also lead to some kind of like you said hormonal imbalances if you do it incorrectly or if you do it excessively without being monitored by a doctor so anything in moderation is fine right 
Absolutely. So seeds have seeds as well as I think even the plant leaves like salads, you know, every one of them have a defensive mechanism because seeds are tend to be spread. Plant want its seeds to spread to other parts of the place or so to pollinate the whole point of pollination and everything. So seeds have anti-nutrients, the outer shell of the seeds. That's why even the nuts have the same kind of mechanism where almonds have the outer shell, which it contains all the anti-nutrients like phytic acid. That's why we are supposed to soak, soak and then remove the seed layer, top layer of the almonds and then eat it. Similarly, seeds, I think the seed cycling works very well, but moderation is the key, but also how you are consuming them like seeds when we consume them raw they can cause the dryness and increase water but if you dry fry them in a ghee or if you make them part of the meal like you know on top of uh, porridge if you're putting a little bit of seeds on top of it then that warmth can bring the nourishment and make them easier for our body to absorb as well that's so true and in fact we always tell our clients if you're going to have seeds in your diet at least pre-soak them overnight so that it releases any kind of phytic acid or any kind of preservative, natural preservative that the seeds is carrying to protect itself from predators and from pests and insects. You want to get rid of that protectively and make it easier to digest. And also deep frying in ghee and including it in your desserts in the form of a laddu like how we do traditionally is also a great way of consuming seeds, I believe. Now, I want to talk about dairy products, especially impacting women's health in the current generation or era that we're in. Cows have moved from farms to factories they've been raised in a factory they're impregnated forcibly every year and forced to give birth and then they have these steroids and antibiotics that are pumped into them and they're injected with artificial hormones which is causing estrogen dominance rupturing their uterus lots of cows have started releasing pus and blood into the milk right and there is this also correlation to women having an increased risk of PCOS and PCOD four to five out of seven women have gynecological disorders nowadays like PCOS, PCOD, infertility. What can we do to counteract this now that we know that dairy is linked to hormonal imbalances in women as well as men? Are there any you know, supplementary foods that we can have? Do you approve of nut milk and plant-based milk? What can be done? The most important question to ask here is, is there a really a substitute that can actually substitute something so nourishing that Ayurveda recommended as dairy but unfortunately in the modern day there is no such substitution that I have come across while still we we do have to accept the fact that the milk is not so nourishing at the moment and it does come with a lot of side effects if you are not sourcing or if you are not knowing where the milk is coming from and it it does happen when we are living in cities like you know i am in the west it is impossible for me to get a good source of milk even though i get it from a local farm i know that they are good people but still there is no guarantee 100 percent that the milk i'm getting is a good form of milk and doesn't have any of these ingredients so what i want to say is it comes down to many practical things as well as individuals particular choice of dairy but in any in any case when someone comes with hormonal conditions like pcos and pcod for the first few weeks at least i am fixing their gut completely and i'm satisfied that even if the milk is not 100 percent you know nourishing in nature their body is not retaining any of it and properly digesting it only then 
I reintroduced dairy while at the same time educating the client about all the, you know, getting a good source of milk like A2 milk and keeping themselves to diluting the milk, not having a thick form of milk. So, and also using digestive spices like dry ginger while they are taking the milk. So these are some of the precautions that I advised them. And ghee, at the on the other hand, I would say ghee is a much more digestible form of dairy and also doesn't contain the similar kind of, you know, effect, doesn't have similar effect on our body, unlike the milk which we are consuming. So I encourage my clients to have more organic A2 cow ghee rather than more focusing on the milk. So I hope that is a little bit easier or clarifies that question. Absolutely. In fact, people who come with vata imbalances, we don't take them off dairy completely. We tell them to have at least an exception for ghee. Even if you're a vegan, make an exception for ghee because clarified butter has butyric acid, which helps in lubricating the GI tract and colon and eliminating heavy metals toxins from the body and eliminating mostly constipation symptoms that vata prakriti is associated with. So that's so true that, you know, we have to take a middle path and can't go extremes with either raw diet or, you know, going extreme with processed and packaged food. What's your take on raw food? You know, I know the whole world is divided on it. A lot of people have gone the other extreme of processed foods by having a lot of raw juices and smoothies, mixing all kinds of products together like fruits and vegetables and dairy. And we speak so regularly on the importance of viruddha ahar because having the wrong combinations can trigger a series of skin diseases as well what is your take on raw foods and the concept of viruddha ahar from the perspective of ayurveda i would say as a person who has vata prakriti vata and pitta prakriti i cannot go on raw foods at the same time i cannot stay away from certain things like fruits which actually i enjoy a lot so it's like always the seasonal wise i tell people that you don't have to go to the extremes of not doing or completely avoiding something but you can choose the season so i tend to eat more raw foods during spring which tend to have kapha aggravating qualities as a season so then it tends to sit okay inside your stomach and you feel more energetic if you eat raw foods during a season like spring and also in moderation during summer so your body is naturally craving for these foods and it makes sense when your body is craving it, you give that nourishment it wants. So it's satisfying and also grounding for you as a whole, right? The experience. But in the world where we are seeing a lot of vata type of costas, where people are having dryness, constipation, IBS, you know, uh, bloating and wind, for these people, they should be extremely mindful not to have raw foods at the same time so yeah i think it is again taking the middle path of you know saying that we are not saying or ayurveda is not saying we should completely throw away all the raw foods and stuff but you should be mindful of when to eat any food at any given point of time right like there is a time and place for everything in our life so the context and the concept both are a primary part of our whole well-being you know i think that is what ayurveda wanted us to teach very true and coming to women's health in particular the gynecological health and infertility issues what are the herbs that you recommend that women can include in their daily life you know which can be bought over the counter and what are the herbs that you recommend after a doctor's consultation that they should consider in their you know diet plan and their regular plan to overcome infertility pcos and pcod because now 
because of the rise of infertility, people have started moving towards uh, egg freezing. They're getting the eggs frozen. They're waiting for the right time to conceive. Sometimes they're, they're even delaying the whole pregnancy chapter in their life. You know, they want to take their own time to plan a child. So what are the herbs that they can continue having to make sure that the fertility rate is healthy? I would say there are some nice herbs like Ashatavari is a very, very good herb, which is safe for people to consume. But uh, before I advise any herbs, I always say that there is a grace period we follow in Ayurveda that is 40 days, despite of how safe a herb is. You can consume it in minimal dosage, like just one teaspoon, a herb like Shatavari mixed with milk because it is a Rasayana, means it does improve our overall health. But I, even after 40 days, you're not seeing any changes, you have all your symptoms same, then it is best that you go see a local nearby practitioner or someone online who you found trustworthy and take their advice. So Shatavari is my number one herb that I would say has very minimal side effects and is satnya means wholesome for most of the modern health women, gynecological health that problems that we are facing. It is very, very good. And even the spices, especially methi and fennel combination is a very, very good combination. Both of them are very good because methi is known to induce prolactin inside our body and the fennel is a estrogen you know inducing herbs so they both are natural source so these also can be included in that diet regularly which will also help us to you know especially for women with pcos they do help with insulin resistance as well methi is known to help with maintaining the blood sugar levels not getting any giving any insulin spikes so i would say these also come very handy and there are traditional preparations answering your second question ayurvedically there are very good medicinal ghees like falagrutam which is a traditional ayurvedic preparation that we give to women who want to heal their infertility who want to conceive in the future this is a very good and number one preparation that i use in my practice as well but has to be taken under the guidance of a ayurvedic doctor Absolutely. And what about urinary tract infection, which is pretty common amongst women? You know, uterine infection, every woman seems to have at least two to three episodes of it in their lifetime. So what are the cautions and precautions they can take to prevent UTI? And what are the herbs or teas that they can include in their daily life to ensure that they don't get an UTI? So the first thing is to ensure we are getting like, you know, the number one reason is wearing very tight clothes that is the number one reason for catching any form of even the vaginal infections that i commonly see when you are wearing very tight clothes and there is no free flow of air going that's when the bacteria grows and we get infection so wearing some cotton panties ensuring you are you know cleaning yourself and not using any harsh soaps with synthetics or even you know perfume kind of ingredients then it is the first step i would say that is the precaution and while using public toilets and stuff cleaning yourself before and after when you are using a public toilet and making yourself dry not if we are wet down there that is also another reason why we are vulnerable and we catch infection so keeping yourself dry you know down there will also help and herbs i think there is a very good herb which is called gokshura Ayurvedic herb really really good for addressing any form of urinary tract infections generally comes handy and there is cranberry juice which is also known to help improve you know that and coriander seed water 
which helps us to cool the pitta inside our body or to bring down any initial inflammatory reaction that is happening inside the body when you are trying to heal from a such infection is also very good and dusting powders like sandalwood powder keeps you cool down there not giving any burning sensation and above everything else trifala kashayam is my favorite kind of ingredient that we that comes handy for us women i think even for our gut health like it can be used to cleanse our oral cavity due to its amazing antiseptic properties it comes handy at the same time doing trifala sidj bath you know like sitting in a tub with trifala kashayam and then trying to gently cleansing our vagina and all those organs helps us to keep them clean and also you know defend against any kind of such infections so these are some of the natural remedies that i would suggest if someone is trying to heal themselves of you know such infections I I love how practical your advice is you know there's so much information on how to take care of our body and prevent diseases and most of these herbs and spices are actually available in the kitchen that you would advise you would advise cumin seeds and fennel seeds coriander seeds to improve gut health and at the same time coriander seeds is great for UTI fenugreek and fennel seeds together is a very powerful combination for also helping improve hormonal health shatavari gridham and then also your other medicated gridhams and kashayams that you've advised is obviously post a doctor's consultation because these are potent and you don't want to consume them unless you've been monitored by an ayurvedic doctor on its impact on your body what's your final message to our viewers on how to preserve their gut health and thus their mental and emotional health by say following the circadian rhythm or following the ayurvedic dinacharya rituals or ritucharya rituals what are your top 3 rituals that you recommend for maintaining the physical mental and emotional health i would say three things one is waking up with the sun that is like starting your day when the sun is even before the sun comes out like waking up at brahma muhurta and starting your day early that sets resets everything that is going on wrong in the modern day i would say so a simple ritual like tongue scraping is my favorite one and gentle warm water swishing with a pinch of salt inside it cleanses our oral cavity because mouth is the primary organ of our gut and that is where everything starts even the disease or the food that is where it's entering into our body so if we can keep that oral cavity clean we are avoiding so many of the problems that we are facing in the modern day so that is the first thing and then sleeping with moon so before the moon comes we have to be in the bed and following some night routine like you know a gentle reading a book which is mindful which suits your mind and calms your emotions and everything and the second thing is maybe a gentle breathing or if you love music listening to music these are some of the things which we need in a over stimulated over burdened environment that we are living in i would say our mind needs that rest and also eating a very light dinner at night time dinner should be for health it should not be like about the food that we are eating it should be about just to ensure that your health is restored i think those are the two ones last but not least i would say it's important for us because we talked a lot about gynecological health it's important for us to focus on taking a break like you know every now and then we don't have to be productive we can be someone simple someone who just want to have like you know that 
quietness in life i, I would say as modern women we need to embrace more stillness in the life so last uh, message is that we should actually focus on finding time to be still not doing anything if we can do these three i think we will be in a better healthy shape i love how important that last message is you know we do live in an overstimulated world where we're constantly being stimulated and bombarded with messages and information through social media television newspapers it's so overwhelming for our senses that we're constantly consuming information and we barely give any rest to our eyes our ears our nose and even our mouth we don't give it any rest with either talking or eating food for the sake of eating rather than for the sake of our health and there's absolutely no moment to catch our breath and enjoy that stillness so i love the contrast of how you can keep working on improving your health but at the same time enjoy that stillness and be doing nothing for a few moments and just enjoy being human enjoy being alive enjoy being part of this universe feel the universe around you so you can actually make the right decisions on what next rather than constantly you know running from one goal to another just be in the moment inhale and enjoy the moment i love that advice thank you so much dr varalakshmi for you know being with us we really appreciate it thank you for sharing all of that wisdom and for those of you who listen to this podcast episode you can follow dr varalakshmi on instagram for daily health tips and how to improve and include ayurveda in your daily life until my next episode this is me wishing you lots of love kindness happiness and compassion passion in everything you do and most importantly the ability to forgive others because when we release negative memories we also release negative energy and the diseases that come with it so here's to becoming the healthiest and the kindest version of ourselves lots of love guys hey guys if you like this episode don't forget to leave a comment below so we can learn how to improve ourselves like subscribe and definitely share this with your loved ones your friends family and relatives so you can become an influencer of good health in their lives until my next episode here's wishing you unconditional happiness love forgiveness kindness empathy compassion in everything that you do here's dr dimple jagra signing off